yards of Snoop with a shot, rebound, scores! She pins home! They score! How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Zoobcast. This is, what are we at, 13 now? Is this episode 13? Look at us go. Episode 13. 13. Yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be a good one. You guys better stay tuned. Um, I am Adam alongside Louie and Josh, as always. And we have a fun episode. We got a guest later on um, who we Second are very ever. excited. Yeah, very excited to have him on. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep that one a secret, though, for the first 30 or so minutes. and then. So you guys got to stay tuned. We're not giving anything away. I guess um, I guess I can't include that in the title then. <laughs> the episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. If it's on the title, then you guys know that. Oh well, too bad. Um, but anyway, we have some stuff to get to before our guest appears, and some send stuff. But first, a couple big, pretty significant extensions around the NHL. Barkov in Florida signs for eight years. I think the AAV was about ten million, and Zabanajad in. New York resigns for eight years. I think it was eight point two five million. And to put a to put a send spin on this right away, I a common theme of these two contracts was signing bonus money, which both of them were heavily constructed around signing bonuses. I, I think that's yeah, correct as far as I remember. Both of them only had a one million dollar salary for every season. The rest for right. mm-hmm. like all the years, both players was signing bonuses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the Brady Kachuk is still not signed, by the way. I don't know. I feel like I, I want to talk up. about this yeah. again. But but the main, you know, hang up, at least some people are saying on, on the talks are that the, the structure is different in the way the Sens want and the way Kachuk wants it. And the Sens are not prepared to offer signing bonuses. Um, obviously, <laughs> Spanajad and Barkov got a ton of signing bonuses so that begs this question you know why can't the Sens just give him the signing bonuses um mm-hmm. but anyway to be fair, so- they have they have proven way more right like you're not talking about the same kind of caliber of player oh of course you're not comparing barkov and zapanajad right like those are top end first line forwards brady kachuk has yet to break 45 points right but 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 i think you know if you've got a guy like kachuk who is not only a fan favorite but he's very young and he's been very good the last he has the intangibles, right? Well, or sure, but whatever. I think as a team, for someone who I'd, I'd call him a, a franchise player at this point for the Sens, like a, a franchise player, not in the sense that he's a not in the traditional talent. sense, no. no. But he is the face, quote unquote, face of the franchise at forward, just because of the kind of character that he's made himself into, right? Yep. And so, for a guy like that, I feel like as an org, especially with what do we got? Thirty million dollars in cap space. Like you should be able to cough up some whatever the cap floor is. Yeah, <laughs> under yeah, the, yeah exactly. Under the ceiling. Signing bonus. We're probably. finally so, above the floor today. I know. So, so I think the way that that worked is they sent Agazino down, and he cleared, and I think now his cap hit counts toward or his 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 salary counts towards the cap now and they're cap compliant. I think. Well, they also called up Kelly, so that might yeah right. Be it. And but plus, anyway. the, now that they have Watson and White. On both IR. on IR allows them to call up more people mm-hmm. to have it count against the the cap. So I'm I'm not sure they, of all the semantics, but they are one hundred seventy five thousand dollars over the cap floor right now. Whew. of sixty point five million, just skyrocketing up there into the yeah. So they get a little bit money. to play with here. Twenty point eight million. In <laughs> you can afford like almost three Jack Eichels with oh, that money. We're literally the opposite of the Lightning. The Lightning are what like three hundred dollars. Under the limit, with all their LTIR <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's God. right. Something like that. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I think this is worth talking about because this might be a bit of a of a topic of confusion among people. Either of you could take this one. What is signing bonus money, and why is it important in structuring a contract? For I'm assuming just from a player standpoint, they just want their money ahead of time. Basically, it's not a, it's not, I don't think it makes a huge difference. Um, well, it's buyout protection, isn't it? Like kind of just because that way you get your money, no matter whether 
the games are played or not, whereas salary is kind of spread out over the games and throughout the season and signing bonus, you get it on the day, Buy on July 1st lockout. or whatever. Or sorry, yeah, lockout. I'm not, I'm not sure of that. My bad, yeah. How it works exactly, but I, I, just, I mean, if you're looking at it from a team perspective, you're giving the player the same amount of money, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, assuming you know they play, assuming they're playing all eight seasons. Louis talking about lockout protection, but assuming Kachuk plays all eight seasons because there's no lockout, he's making the exact same amount of money, whether it's all in signing bonuses minus the one million base. I wonder if the escrow affects both the same way. You'd think it what it would, right? But. Given how much I'm not sure, but clearly is. players want it, and it's not. I mean, obviously, we're talking about millions of dollars, which is a lot for me. But for a guy who makes one point, for a guy who's worth sorry, 1.2 billion dollars, paying the, the way I look at it is let's just say, for argument's sake, that he had one million base and a seven million signing bonus for eight straight years. The only upfront payment Melnick has to make is that first seven million. Because if you think of it in the sense that, okay, he pays his first $7 million, now every $7 million signing bonus is actually pushing his first-year salary back. So all Melnick is saying is basically, yeah. I can't afford to give that first $7 million. Um, yeah. Which... I mean, hey, maybe he's just waiting for the revenue for game one to come in. I mean, it's probably going to be a sellout. It's Leafs right? fans. Yeah, exactly. The Leafs, the Leafs fans will pay Brady Kachuk's contract. There you, there you go. Hey, if that's how we got to do it, man. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we have our ways. I mean, he got he, we got the money from the Seattle. Like, I don't. How much was that again? The, oh, the Seattle cut. Like... Oh, good question. Wasn't it? Um, because I remember wasn't Vegas six hundred million split? Up? I think it was five hundred. Well, it was five hundred. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So five hundred. Is that, is that, Vegas that's... doesn't get any, so you got about seventeen million from. Yeah, that. yeah. So that's. I mean, that's a couple years of. Brady Kachuk's contract. It's probably two and a half, three. I, ideally yeah, three. Well, ideally three. <laughs> yeah. what, we can dream. We can dream. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I personally would like to not talk about Brady Kachuk the rest of the episode because I'm sick of it. I, I concur. Would, I would, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, so there you go. Barkov signs. Benajed signs. He has, shall not be named has not signed for a specific team that we also won't name. Hopefully that'll come. Um, a lot of mystery this episode. Like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, the Sens season is inching closer. Um, it's two days away from when we're recording this. I guess three, but same difference. Well, technically one day before the actual season starts, right? Yeah, but well, can't wait. We don't care. That. Do do we do we care about Seattle, Vegas, and, and you don't want to watch Tampa, Pittsburgh, and the playoff implications <laughs> of that after game one? No, I I, I don't. Pittsburgh's roster. Pittsburgh's roster is looking bleak before game yeah. on their forwards. Well, Malkin's out for a while, eh? And Crosby's not playing. Is but he really? I think Crosby and Getzel are making the trip. I don't think they're playing in game one. Good God. Yeah, yeah I, I'm going to be honest. Um, I probably can't name you six forwards. Oh, on that Mark team. Donk and... Here, here Mark Donk? That is <laughs> not real. No, no, no. It's, it's the whole... the whole. Do you remember this Oh, yeah, Twitter? the tweet. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Redeem Zahorna is probably still there. That's a real player. So, yeah, I, I Redeem Zahorna is not in their uh, four lines. So, their four lines for opening night right now are Denton Heinen, Damn. Jeff Carter, Brian Rust, Jesus, Jason Zucker, Evan Rodriguez, Kasperi Kapanen, Zach Aston-Reese, Teddy Bluger, Brock McGinn, and then Drew O'Connor, Brian Boyle, and Dominic Simo. Oh. Boyle. Okay. Here's yeah, he's the thing. That is objectively a terrible team. But yeah. since it's Pittsburgh, they'll make like they're gonna make the playoffs. Like they do every year. It's well, like they, Crosby should be back soon. They, next, well, exactly. Like, couple weeks. Although maybe they'll probably get blown out by Tampa first game. Everyone's gonna freak out like, oh, Penguins. You know, it's over. Their playoff streak is over. And then they'll rally, finish the second seed, win a round, and lose. Yeah. They do every year. And even also, uh, like, Seattle's also not looking great. If you want to talk about other teams starting tomorrow. Yeah, the COVID don't... stuff today. They have five guys on the COVID list. They have, like, Yarnk Rock players, is on there. Too. Yeah, Yarnk Rock, I Johansson, Don Skoy. Their best player, probably. <laughs> or Jonas Don Scully or whatever the hell. <laughs> oh, yeah, who, who announced it? Was it Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> he, no, no, he did uh, Cali Yarnk Rock, didn't he? Oh, my, my boy, boy Cali. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who said Don Scully? What was that? It, it might have been Sean Camp or one of the... One of the uh, Seattle Supersonics players. Uh, possibly, yeah. Anyways. But yeah, so those are the first two games. But but back to the original point here. The Sens are soon also. And they are really trying to refine their lineup. Uh, they made a bunch of cuts and a preseason. Most of it was probably to be expected. Um, 
I'd say the only note, I mean, JBD's in the AHL, obviously people knew that. Shane Pinto makes the team, which at this point, I don't think anybody is surprised obviously, by that. with the injuries, yeah. Yeah. Um, and his performance. A couple people that are sticking around that maybe catch a couple odd eyes are, are Logan Shaw is still here, and Scott Sabrin is still here. Parker Kelly got the call today. Uh, yeah, and Parker Kelly, who was originally sent down, is now back up. Um, so he is quote unquote still here. Um, yeah. I don't know why Sabarin is still here. So Austin Watson. Really it's it's because of Austin Watson. Yeah. Yeah, I, but but doesn't Parker Kelly? But Parker Kelly just fills that. Like he's the he's the same player. Scott Sabarin's a more uh, fighter type, whereas Parker Kelly's more of a grinder. I mean, Watson's more of an enforcer. Severin especially is an enforcer only. But Watson, so what's Watson's thing, right? Like he blocks shots. He's on the PK. He's on the PK. Yeah. Parker Kelly blocked, Parker Kelly four, four checks hard, you know, block shots and can kill penalties probably. I don't think Scott Severin can kill penalties. Let's be fair, Parker we'll Kelly see. does I, fight. I'm, he was yeah, in Yeah, that's true. There you go. I'm sure only one of them will be in the lineup regularly. Mm-hmm. Depending um, on what the lines are, especially if Logan Shaw is there, is Clark Bishop still injured? No, he's injured. Yeah, he's, yeah. he won't be okay. for a bit. Really wanted him so, to make it as a bottom six guy. Logan I Shaw might it. end up being the fourth line center to start the year, which is, you know, <laughs> I, not I, ideal. No, Lo- Logan Shaw just kind of exists. Like he doesn't really bring that much. Um, but another thing to another thing yeah. that we this may have been settled by the time this episode drops, but Michael Dal Cole got placed on waivers. DJ Smith connections. They played. Yeah, he, he played yeah. for him in, in the OHL. So you never know if they're looking for you know a twelfth forward to to put on that fourth line. Michael Delcole might not be a terrible bet, especially because I mean they they don't need to hold on to him for an awful long time. So if they're really desperate for a player, you know they might go for from someone like Delcole. And Delcole is a little interesting too because he came out as a, if I'm not mistaken, he was pretty highly touted prospect for a bit. Michael Dowell. Yes. Wasn't he a and top five pick or something? He, yes, yeah, I think fifth. he was pick fifth. He never really found his footing in the island, or on the island, I should say. Um, but, you know, he put up, like, like in his last, he's played in the NHL a couple years ago, his last full AHL season, which I believe was 18-19, he yeah. put up, he was a point per game. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. He only got 10 points. He's been an NHL player, quote-unquote, the last two years. He put up 10 points in 1920 in 53 games and four points in 26 games in in 21 so it seems like his game hasn't really translated very well to be fair um, though that's that's barry trotz's islanders if you're playing bottom yeah. six minutes there as a young player you're not going to get very many points you're not going to be in the place to get a ton yeah. of production yeah that's a good point i mean his his ahl stats seem to be quite good and you know maybe he's worth a pickup just to see if you can Maybe put him on a, a little more of a loose flying team like the Sens and see if he can do something. Um, he's probably an upgrade like... over over Logan Shaw. I agree with you. Yeah, but... and he'll probably play. He would probably play with you know a Sanford or an Ennis or maybe both. Right, or that's Formanton. Even. Yeah, dep- depending. I mean, I like to see Formanton higher up in the lineup, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. We were we were Josh and I were actually talking about this today about like you know what are the lines going to look like and with Formanton Brady out. is with Brady out. Yeah. Is Formanton gonna be in 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 the top six? You think so? But the, the first line is is gonna be what? Is Stutzel gonna be there on left wing? Is Stutzel, Norris, Batherson, maybe. So yeah, if that's like line one, that. I think Stutzel and Batherson go so well together. Yeah. Every time they're playing together, it was tough last year because Kachuk, Norris, Batherson was so good uh, as a mm-hmm. line. Yeah. But now that Kachuk's not there, I mean, someone has to take his spot. And Stutzel, Batherson, when they played together last year and this preseason, I just shown such good chemistry yeah. moving the puck. And Norris is a good finisher, right? So that's like a third, mm-hmm. a good third player to have on that line. And responsible and defensively. Then, yeah, yeah, for sure. Which they need, yeah. Um, and, and then, then you're kind of just, yeah, it's Pinto and Brown on the second line. That's kind of locked with, in. With Formington. Like, okay, Formington or side. Nick Paul. That's the That's, that's the it, option. right? So if they go with Nick Paul there, then that makes your, your third line is what? Sanford, like Tierney, and and, and I guess Formington maybe. Maybe right? Ennis. Or, or yeah, Ennis, and then that that puts Formanton all the way on the fourth line, where he's gonna play with like Logan Shaw and, and Saverin or something, or Kyler or Kelly. I would, yeah. You could probably also make the argument of just put Nick Paul at third line center. I know yeah. DJ isn't huge on it, but and then Tierney goes down. You had down. two injuries now, yeah. And then you put Formanton with Pinto and Brown. You have a 
really fast player with them. Yeah. I'm just like, it was just, it was looking like with Colin White in the lineup, it was like, okay, maybe we're finally going to have like a set top nine. Yeah. The lines are going to be set. And then a huge injury, a huge injury in terms of length happens and, and Brady's not signed. And now the lines are so up in the air again. I I'm still, well, I'm still holding out hope that, you know, maybe we get some, some surprise Brady news in the next day or two. Right, right down to the wire. Gotta stop. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I, I don't. At this point, I don't think he would play in game one even if he signed, because he hasn't yeah. any practices or anything. Don't say that. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay, we need to move on, or things are gonna get emotional. But um, sixty sevens. We talk about them sometimes. They had a game today. It was their third game. We all went. Fun fact: the entire yes. Zoomcast was present. Um, it was very fun. They they run a great operation there. At, uh, at the arena at TD Place. Very, very fun atmosphere. Great to be back in a building for a game again. Um, so let's just touch on them a bit here. They've started their season. They've played three games. They are 2-1. and one. They are a winning record out the gate, which I think for a few people is a bit surprising, especially a, a win against a very, very good Kinston Frontenac's team who really blew them out in the first game. I think it was 8-1 or 7-1. Um, and then, you know, Ottawa comes back. Second game of a, I think it was a back to back, was it not? Second game of a back to back. No, they played. Or uh, no, it was the first game of of the back to back that was. But anyway, second game against Kingston, play a very 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 hard fought game and they come out with a win. Um, and then today they just obliterated Oshawa, uh, seven three I believe was the final score. Um, so, so they're they're off to a nice start, Louis. And uh, who do you think uh, has caught your eye so far as as some guys that are emerging into into having some good seasons? Well, what I found funny today was they announced the Jack Mateer ELC yeah. like at the almost the exact same time that he scored his first goal of the game. Yeah, that's right. So that was pretty nice to see. So he got five points today, including two goals, which not bad for a defenseman, right? No, not at all. Um, it was his first, first OHL goal as well. Not Mateer. Really? I, I think yeah, so. He had, zero goal, he had zero goals in 56 games in his first yeah. season. Mateer, yeah. really? Because I know that yeah. it was Constantini's first OHL goal last or today. Really? Yeah, no, it was Matthew's goal. Yeah, I'm looking at his page right now. Huh. That's so cool. he's uh he had nine points in 56 games he's two seasons ago. Two years yeah. ago. And yeah, and he had um, five points today. So uh, half of his uh, point total in one I mean, game. that's what happens when like the rest of the decor <laughs> completely leaves and you're stuck playing first line. And then even then, he probably wouldn't have gotten first power play unit time if it wasn't for Alec Belanger's injury. But yeah, now right. he gets the slot yeah. in there, and like other people on that unit, like Vincennes Roar has been a revelation. He's been so good. Like he had a good you game look today. at him, and what I found interesting is that his reverse hitting ability <laughs> is just off the chart. No, I, like he's a bit of a smaller guy, but every time somebody tries to take the puck off, he just nails them completely. And just very Marco going. Rossi esque, as well, you pointed out is, earlier. He's from Austria. He's currently playing first line center. He played ZSC Lines Junior before coming, like Marco. He wears twenty four. Marco wore twenty three. They even look kind of similar with their they neck do. guard and look. Yeah, like, they do. It's it's him. He's back. Speaking of looking looking similar, me and Josh both thought this today. Brady Stonehouse is yeah. literally Brady, Brady Kachuk. Like yeah. it's Hills not the even same first name. It's 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 crazy. I was it's looking at it. And if you look at their headshots, they don't look the same at all. No, if you look at their headshots. No, but on the ice with the helmet on, you can't see the hair. It's crazy. Yep. They and they play kind of a similar game in the sense that they're always in the play. They're always physical. Like they don't the care net. to take hits. Yeah. yeah. They'll funny... disturb some shit in front of the net to draw penalties too, like Stonehouse. Yeah, exactly. No, was Stonehouse wild. was a pretty good. Had pretty good playmaking abilities today too. I felt. Oh, he was good. Yeah, like he was, was not bad. Yeah, Sirzadi was pretty solid too. Gaidamak was. Gaidamak yeah, keeps scoring. Like we were talking about this. <laughs> Um, during like our one draft uh, preview episode, yeah. where I was talking about Gaidamak, and he likes to crash net, even though he's not the biggest guy, but he needs to improve his scoring touch. Well, next thing you know, in the preseason, he scores four goals in four games, and now he's got goals in back-to-back games. Just forgetting the first garbage game of the season, you know, back-to-back <laughs> games at the beginning of the season with goals. Yeah. So he's been yeah. he's been also a very good standout. The import draft picks have really done their part here, and even if we get injuries, you got Luca Pinelli. And Chris mm-hmm. Barlas waiting in the wings. So it's weird that they're. We were talking about that. Why are they not playing them? You think there's just not a. I just spot think they didn't the, make the, the team. No? I mean, they're there. They're playing with the team. It's just they're not. They didn't not in the make it or whatever. I feel like they could come in over Stephen Laform probably or Bradley Gardner. Yeah, we were talking. They, about they're that. playing like fourth line minutes, and even then, mm-hmm. since we're playing eleven and seven, 
they're not even getting that much. They're not getting regular line mates. Like Thomas Johnson, I think, was rotating most of the time on there. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess there's just not much of a not much room there. We will we'll see as the season develops what they do with the lines there. But but very good early showing from Dave Cameron's guys. Um sixty sevens are two and one. So that's a good start for them. They get surprised this year, man. They they look good. They got a lot of youth. They're only gonna get better throughout the season too. Like I, I was surprised by how good some guys that I had never even heard about before were like Will Garrier out of nowhere. He was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Great shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty gritty for a small guy. And he can produce like he was a point per game player as like a 15 or 16 year old for the Ottawa Senators U18 HU. Yeah. So and you know, I, a- I highly recommend if you guys if people haven't gotten out to 67's games yet to to do that. It's super, super fun. Great atmosphere. The intermission cahoots are <laughs> probably my favorite thing ever i don't i i love those i think that's something the sentence should really consider doing something like that we were <laughs> we were sitting there it's it's what is this like a 280 person kahoot and we're like oh man this is what like this is what you live for that's just mass competition it's some that people just, were popping off like oh my god they were balling it's 15 questions and the like the winner i think it would get like free tickets to the next game or something two free tickets that was only that was only today though. Yesterday oh, that was only today. Okay, offer. that was only today. And so they go. Guy goes like fourteen for fifteen and doesn't even win. It was like, what? Are you joking? Like some of those questions were hard, man. We yeah, we were geez. struggling. We were struggling there, but that was very fun. So definitely recommend uh, getting out to a sixty-sevens game. It's a great time. So yeah, we will continue to monitor the sixty-seven season as it progresses. But we are moving on, and we are very very excited to welcome a very special guest to the Zoobcast. Um, this is a very good buddy of ours, Josh Simpson. He has worked with OHL teams like the Hamilton Bulldogs and the Sarnia Sting. He wrote for, oh, what's it called? Simp, you got to help me out here. Maple Leafs Hot Stove. Maple Leafs Hot Stove. There you go. And he is now acting as an NHL consultant for a couple of different teams. And we are very happy that he is here. So Josh, yeah, it's another Josh, by the way. So that's going to be a little confusing. We're going to uh, hopefully you guys at home can can work that one out. But uh, Josh, how are you? Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, boys, thanks for having me on the pod. Uh, excited to get going. You know, Zoobcast, pretty big deal. So uh, <laughs> yeah, man, um, things are good. Things are good. Ready for the season to get going. Yeah, we we all are, and and we'll we'll get started on that right away. Obviously. You know, the Sens play the Leafs in their in their first game, so that's the first opponent. So we'll we'll get you to come kind of come in with a bit of a, a Leafs angle here. Um not a lot of huge moves for them in the offseason. A couple depth forward additions. I know M- Michael Bunting was a big you know, is seems like a big one for you guys now. So could you give us a bit of insight on on how you think the Leafs did in their offseason and and if you think they're a better team now than they were last year? Yeah, like uh with losing Hyman, they, they needed to find a way to replace goals. Um, and when you consider, you know, the, the past couple of years in the playoffs, um, the depth scoring hasn't really been up to par. That's kind of what you see them, uh, you know, that, that's an area where they really fixated on this offseason. Um, you see Richie, you see Bunting, Kampf, Kasha, a bunch of depth forwards they got them pretty pretty cheap deals for the most part I think Richie's the most expensive at two and a half and then everyone else is one and a half or less um basically just trying to you know shore up the depth throughout their lineup give them some guys that score a little more playoff style goals if you watched all or nothing that was a that was a topic the management group addressed many times throughout the the season was that they weren't scoring enough net front playoff style goals Guys like Bunting, Richie, they kind of bring that aspect, or at least we're hoping they can bring that aspect. They've done it so far in the preseason. Um, Bunting did it in a limited sample size last year. Richie's done it throughout his career, specifically last season in Boston, I think was his kind of career high. So um, I'm pretty happy with what they did, given what they had. Like they didn't obviously have a ton of cap space. They had Hyman moving out. Um, but they, they kind of addressed different needs throughout their lineup instead of going after one big guy. So uh, that's probably how I would have approached it. I, uh, I thought it was a pretty strong approach to the offseason, given the resources they had. Yeah, that's definitely fair. So a, a definitely a, a good bit of turnover. Um, and one thing you touched on is, is the Amazon show. And, you know, you know, Louie and Glazer, we all I think we all watched that. And I think we all enjoyed it, especially at the end. I think that was our favorite part. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. The five-one comeback wasn't too bad. It's just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sadly, they cut out the Zub goal. Yeah, I know. I was I wasn't too happy about that. That was my favorite part. But anyway, it was a very cool show. So I, I guess I wanted to ask you, Josh, um, as a as a Leafs fan from a Leafs perspective, what did you think of the show? Was it kind of cool to have a look at the behind the scenes and and to see what they do, kind of in the front office and stuff? Or do you think it was a little bit, you know, kind of not great and they painted it in a bad in a bad light or anything like that? Um, from a Leafs fan perspective, it's always interesting to get more insight on your team and sort of the, uh, the thought process that goes into decisions they made throughout the year, whether that be how they handled the, the VC situation, which obviously got uh, quite the feature, or, you know, the different players-only meetings they had, uh, the meeting they had with Matthews. Like, it's interesting to see how they, how they actually deal with that stuff behind the scenes, because you can only assume from an outsider perspective of what may go on, but actually kind of seeing, you know, Sheldon and Kyle and how they operate and who, who kind of manages what, like, I think it's a, it, it was a cool level of insight to get to, to get to see as an outsider that doesn't really get to see that. Um, I could see how maybe a fan from another team would be a little underwhelmed just because, you know, it, it wasn't anything crazy. We didn't get this huge window into like their tactics or their decision-making process, but you do get a bit of a, of a sneak peek at what kind of goes on behind the scenes. Maybe you learn a thing or two about a couple of players that you didn't really know in terms of their personality. Uh, I, I was a fan of it. Definitely wasn't a fan of that 5-1 comeback or the, uh, the way it ended <laughs> like you guys were, but. It'll do. It'll do for sure. And and maybe Louie and Glazer, I can, I can put this one over to you. Do you think it would be a good idea for the Amazon All or Nothing to do the Ottawa Senators 2021-22 season as the next as the next team. Would you watch that? Because I'd totally watch that. Obviously, I, but from a business standpoint, no way they do that. <laughs> I don't know. No chance. I, I, I think the entertainment, I mean, they're not going to be good, but the entertainment value of the camaraderie on that team would be pretty funny, I think. Especially oh, if definitely. I think uh, regardless of where the Sens finish, I think they could do any of the 32 teams and it would do well just because there's so many general hockey fans that would watch it no matter the mm-hmm. team obviously yeah the Leafs are you know one of if not the biggest team so that's definitely the, a good thing that they targeted them first it would be cool if they did other teams though and you mm-hmm. know like at least the Leafs are a team with personality at least <laughs> I feel like if you did a team like I mean the lightning cup celebration was cool but I don't know if it would work as well if you did you know the lightning or if you did another team like that I would obviously watch if it was the Sens, but I don't know if it would be smart for them right now. Hey, well, we have that. What's that thing they do? All or, all roads lead home, the bell. Do they still do that? Did they ever oh. finish that? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I think oh. it might still be going, but anyway. We, uh, now it's breakaway see. bell or whatever. Oh, yeah. Sorry, breakaway. Yeah, all right. So we got our behind-the-scenes action. We don't need a, We don't need an Amazon documentary. Um, so, Josh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it on the Leafs here. Um, you're going in. You're Obviously, the, the Leafs have one game before they – they play Ottawa in the Ottawa season opener. They play the Habs um, first. And a couple, some news came out today. Um, Austin Matthews unavailable for the first three games and Adam Brooks claimed off of waivers by Montreal. Do you want to talk maybe about um, those two losses and, and what they might mean um, for your team at the beginning of the season and going forward? Well, I mean, specifically at the, the beginning of the season, I'm looking forward to the Adam Brooks hat trick in a couple of days. Cause <laughs> of course. Um, but no, he's like, I guess, touching on those two things specifically, um, you know, with Matthews, he's kind of Mr. Opening night in the NHL. He always seems to get a couple of goals and do it in a flashy manner in the first couple of games. So obviously, you know, you're going to kind of miss that, but it, you know, with the least, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, at least most people assume that they're, you know, even though they're in a tough division, they're probably close to a lock. Um, so missing Matthews, as long as it's only for a few games, really. Uh, shouldn't matter. Like other guys can step up. Um, with the Brooks thing, I was I was sad to lose him. Um, I've always liked him as a guy that can kind of fill in on your fourth line. Um, just a really really smart player, um, and he's got an NHL skill too. At least as far as you know, bottom six caliber players go. Um, never the biggest or never the fastest player out there, but he kind of just gets the job done. And he complimented a guy like Jason Spezza really well on the fourth line. So. Definitely going to suck to see him in the in the Habs jersey, but there's a lot of depth on this Leafs lineup. I know they just sent down Kirill Simeonov today. He could play in the NHL. Uh, they kept Suns legend Mike Amadio in the lineup. 
Um, they, they've just got a lot of bodies, a lot of forwards, a lot of guys that would probably be playing on other teams in, in terms of just like a fourth line perspective. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not the biggest loss in the world, but he was a player that I liked and would have, would have liked to, to hang on to. It's just kind of the reality with waivers that you can't keep everyone. And um, Josh, you're talking about Amadio. So Sheldon Keith today said the big reason that he kept Amadio over Brooks was the significantly more experience in the league. That is the exact quote um, that he used. Do you think that's the right move? Like, do you think Amadio is the choice over Brooks or what would you have done? Uh, I think as, as far as like an on ice perspective goes, it's pretty much a wash between those two players. Like you're really splitting hairs at that point. Neither is going to play too far up the lineup. You kind of know what both they are, what both of them are. They're just kind of smart depth forwards that can kind of just get the job done. Um, really like, I, I guess I understand like they're also the same age. So really like if you look at it objectively, it's two very similar players in terms of impact and age. And the difference is Amadio's got, I don't know how many games of NHL experience, but he has a couple of years in the league. Um, so if that's a tiebreaker, like I, I don't have any issue with that. If you think the tiebreaker, the tiebreaker may have been uh, Sault Ste. Marie, the Sault Ste. Marie ties. We talk about the, <laughs> right. the hockey ties with the Sens a lot or yeah. getting into it with the Leafs, but. Yeah. Well, you know what? If there's a tie, I don't really care what the tie is. <laughs> yeah. It way, so. Nice. Yeah. Well, we, we will see. We were talking about Michael Amadio actually right before you got on. We we're like, there's no way we're talking about Michael Amadio right now. Like this guy played. We, we, we were surprised. He only played five games with the Sens. We both, all three of us thought it would be more. Um, and one fake point. Games. Yeah. One, yeah. One a draw for an assist. So that's, that's the point production that you're getting with Michael Amadio. I hope you have fun with that. Um, but, uh, but moving on, we, the Leafs, it is well documented that they have kind of under, well, underperformed, we'll call it underperformed in, in the last few years, especially in the playoffs. Um, as a fan and as a kind of analyzer of the game, what do you think is, should be a realistic expectation for this Leafs team in the regular season, as well as in the playoffs? Like, what do you think would be First, what an expectation should be and, and what would be considered a successful season for this team? Well, I guess just starting with the regular season, like all, all Leafs fans and people around the team right now are saying, we don't care about the regular season. We only care about the playoffs, which fair, because the, the playoffs is where they've underperformed and the playoffs is where the great teams are truly measured. Um, but at the same time, I think if they dropped like a 94-point regular season, everyone would be freaking out. So it's not like we don't <laughs> care about the regular season. Like you're expecting them to get – 100 to 105 points maybe you're expecting them to get um contributions from guys that they've brought in um richie conf kasha bunting you're expecting them to fit to play their roles to do what's expected of them because again if they're not you know the alarm bells kind of go off um so i guess if they you know our our consistent team finish you know around 100 points maybe slightly over they get contributions from those new guys that they were expecting to and, uh, you know, they, they can stay healthy. I guess that's just kind of the hope and the expectation for the regular season. Um, as far as the playoffs goes, like, they, they can't lose in the first round again. I think everyone <laughs> kind of knows that. Like, I think it's been, what, once against Washington, twice against Boston, once against Columbus, which was kind of like the Mickey Mouse first round, <laughs> and then once against Montreal. At some point, they're going to have to advance here or else, you know, some serious questions are going to be asked. So, um the expectation is at least win around, probably multiple. I mean, you look at the core, you look at some of the depth pieces they brought in, like it's kind of put up or shut up time. Um, and anything less than, you know, a successful playoff round is probably going to lead to some, some changes. So, you know what, you just hope they, they, they perform as expected in the regular season, they stay healthy, and then they can, you know, accomplish something in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and Louis, you know, Josh just talked about how, you know, in the, in the regular season, a 94 point regular season would be seen as like apocalyptic almost within that fan base. Um, but what do you think? Like this division is really strange this year because you have a, a few teams that could be very, very good. Um, and so obviously I think the Leafs are kind of a shoe in for the playoffs, but I don't know if they're a shoe in for as high as they've finished in past years. So what do you think the, the top of the Atlantic is going to look like um, with the teams that are there, Louis, down, down this season? Well, obviously, you're thinking probably Boston takes a step back, right? Just looking at, they lost, what, Krejci? He's gone. Um, they, 
it's probably going to be Swayman and who's the other guy in Nets for them? Allmark. Allmark? Allmark. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they don't have Rask anymore, but Swayman played his ass off last year. Yeah. And he made the case that he probably could share the number one role, depending how it goes with Allmark. So they'll they'll likely drop off a little. So you pretty much have a battle at the top between Florida, Tampa, and Toronto. So I don't know. Florida looks really good, man. Like Bill Zito's done a great job ever since he's come in. They got uh they're going after the entire what is it was it 2014 draft? Yeah. <laughs> so like Ekblad, Reinhardt, Bennett, right? Yeah. So I don't know. They look very good there, and they just traded for Uolevi, right? Yep, that's right. And it was for like two like minor leaguers. For Yuha Lamico yeah. and Noah Juleson. Not, yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to be a huge difference maker. No, at this yeah, point. I don't think so either. But, no. He's depth difference Redemption, there. Redemption project, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, exactly. Brown dude, on let's pass this back on to Simpson. Lou is saying there's three teams at the top, which I agree with. You know, Florida, Tampa, Toronto. Where do you think Toronto finishes in those, between those three? One, two, or three? Um, There's so many question marks. Like, Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. They have, you know, back-to-back champs. I don't know if people really, you know, uh, put into perspective what they lost this summer because of the success they've had lately. Like, I could still see them winning the division, but, like, they did lose uh, Gordon Coleman and, I guess, Goudreau specifically. Like, that line was really, really, really effective effective for them in the playoffs. And, like, Coleman is a legit top six player. He just happened to be on Tampa. So he wasn't in their top six. Um, but, yeah, they lost significant guys. Like, I could still see them winning the division, but I'm not, like, shooting them in as a lock. It really depends on how some of the younger guys, like um, like a Matthew Joseph and a Taylor Radish, and like maybe I guess Boris Kachuk, Ross Ross Colton, those guys can kind of you know fill in their footsteps. I think Boulet probably could have come in too, but Seattle claimed him, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I think you know if I like gun to my head, I'd probably still put them in first place, but I don't think it's as much of a lock as some others may think. Tampa or Florida is just a complete wild card. Um, I know they're going to be a good team. But it's going to be interesting to see how they do um, in a harder division. Um, they're also, um, what's it called? I don't. They've also had a pretty good off season too. So, like again, they're in that mix. But I don't know. Like I, I don't. Like it's it's tough. I don't know. It's really tough where you where you place them in comparison to Toronto. Like I don't know what you guys think. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's especially because they only played against their own division last year. It's kind yeah. of hard to see where they were. I mean, if you just take the, the four divisions put them as the league standings it was panthers leafs lightning last year but of course the yeah. lightning were missing kucherov um, at this division right now i mean i was not thinking going panthers leafs lightning like it's mm-hmm. a possibility but it's not a shoe in you know right yeah and the panthers obviously got better and spencer knight might be getting a higher percentage of those starts now i mean i guess they lost drieger um so that could be a pretty big loss. But yeah. is anyone expecting Bobrovsky to have as much of a down year as he had? Like, I mean, it's been they're, they're, down years, and at that point, I kind of just default to thinking that that's who he is. But then again, like goalies, right? Yeah, you exactly. And you know, we we talk about the how the divisions are like realigned to what they once were, and I, I think it's it's fair to say that the Atlantic is like objectively a better division than the Canadian division was last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think, Josh, that that hurts the Leafs um, just due to the fact that they're kind of coming off playing in a bit of a Mickey Mouse division where it might have been a little bit easier for them to kind of get away with first and now they have to come back and then there's Tampa, there's Florida, there's Boston. Um, do you think that's going to, you know, might give them a bit of a shock out of the gate or, or do you think they'll adjust quickly and, and no harm will be done? Uh, It's honestly hard to predict because it's not like anything we've ever seen before, Um, at least not in like, you know, these times um like it could it definitely could there were still some strong teams in that division but like yeah like they won't be playing you know i guess montreal and ottawa as many times as they did um and they will have to play like tampa and florida more often so that could be a bit of a shock to the system i think um it's really just like a wait and see how it how it pans out type of type of deal like i'd say the north division the way it was was like any team in there i know we're talking about the leafs right now but any team, they just simply didn't play as many top-end teams, right? You only really had the Leafs. I don't think the Oilers were – I don't think the Oilers are a powerhouse. Yeah. Um, but you also didn't play the teams like the Sabres or the Devils or the Sharks, team. Kings, Ducks, right? Like, yeah, okay, the Canucks were there. The Sens but, are also there. Yeah, but – <laughs> I mean, so you're talking 50 and 51 points, right? There were still seven or eight teams behind them that 
nobody in that division got to play. Right. So yeah. it's a bit, you know, there was less top end teams. But there's also less really, really bad teams. Exactly. Yeah, there's that. That's a good way to put it that I hadn't really thought of before. But yeah, there's no Detroit. There's no Buffalo. There's no Arizona. No Buffalo, especially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a. It is a fair point, and I guess we'll have to see, you know, how it kind of shapes out with this division. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Josh, regarding the Leafs, a bit of a new look lineup is is in net. Um, Freddie Anderson obviously had a bit of a, I don't want to call it a controversial tenure here, but he was a bit of a polarizing goalie, I'd say, in that, among that fan base and that organization. Um, they, you know, come back here with what looks to be a tandem of, of Jack Campbell and Peter Mrazek. I think Campbell is going to start against the Habs and, and Mrazek will play against the Sens um, that next night. Do you like these two guys going forward as a, as a tandem or, or would you have liked to see Freddie come back for one more, at least one more year and try to, you know, face the demons a little bit. I mean, I really respected everything Freddie did, especially in his first uh, three seasons. There were times when he was not the MVP of the team, but like the next MVP of the team, like, you know, one of the most valuable players for sure, maybe a little underrated by some. Um, but the past two seasons, you know, age kind of catches up to you, injuries kind of catch up to you. Uh, they really rode him hard when they had him. Like he played a lot. They didn't have a reliable backup for a lot of his tenure here. And I think that kind of took a toll on him. And, you know, Jack Campbell played, you know, behind the same team and did way, way better. Um, so I, he wouldn't have been a guy, especially at the dollar value he got in Carolina that I would have looked to bring back. I think it was kind of time to move on. There was writing on the wall. Um, in terms of Mrazek, um, I'm no goalie expert, but, you know, he's been a solid tandem goalie for his whole career. Uh, really good year last year in Carolina for the most part. I, I know he can be a little bit streaky. That's why, you know, you have Campbell as well. You kind of ride the hot hand and see where it gets you. Um, and a lot of teams are kind of doing that tandem style, like a Carolina does it, um, and New York Islanders do it, um, teams that have been, like, successful lately. So I'm kind of happy that's the route they went with. Um, there was no real bona fide starter that they could have afforded anyways, um, and I, I wouldn't have trusted Jack to be – you know, that sole number one and just bring in some, you know, league minimum or $1 million backup in behind him. I'd like to see him do it over a full season before I would kind of give him that vote of confidence, even though he was spectacular last year. Uh, so ultimately, I think they did approach it the right way. That's probably what I would have done. Um, and I guess we'll see how it pans out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, the tandem, how, you know, you point out how the tandem goalie system has been pretty successful, at least for a couple of teams. Um, so I'll pass this to to Louie and Glazer, the Sens obviously seem to be putting a lot of faith in the Matt Murray, who didn't have a great year last year, but seems to be maybe, fingers crossed, turning a corner. Um, do you think the Sens would be better off with a tandem system, or, or do you think they've got to stick with their number one here in, in Murray and just ride him out for a bit? If it means more Gustafson, I'll, I'll, I'll go for the tandem approach. Right. That's what I was going to say, but I mean, Gustafson got sent down, right? So it's Murray and Forsberg. Yeah. Um, and especially when you look at the contract they just dished out to Matt Murray right after they traded for him, right? 6.25 million. And then Forsberg's a guy who they, I believe they claimed on waivers. So it's like, if you're tandeming those two, it's, it's a pretty bad indication of Pierre Dorian's management. I don't think he let that happen. Like they're trying to get Matt Murray back to his rookie and sophomore year form. See if he can put up a nine ten or better on, you know, the Suns defense isn't going to be great this year. If you can put up a nine ten maybe live up to your contract a bit more because they don't, the last thing they want is to be embarrassed by that. Yeah, that's fair. They, I think they, they want to, for the sake of the organization, they want to kind of see that contract be justified by the play, yeah. <laughs> which hopefully will come. Um, but yeah, Josh touched on defense there a little bit and Simpson defense is a, is always a hot topic in Toronto. Um, you guys got, you know, uh, it, it'll be interesting. I think to see how they roll out their D the Leafs this year, because you have Sandine, who looks to be blossoming into quite a nice player. And then you have a guy who, I, I mean, obviously, you know, in Leafland, everyone, you know, still knows who he is. But kind of around the league, Timothy Lilligren is getting a little bit kind of, I don't want to say forgotten, but he's, he's a little bit down there on the, on the depth chart, it seems now. Do you, do you see a fit for him on this team this year or maybe in a couple of years? Or do you think his, his time might be limited with the Leafs? So he's, uh, I think he's won a job out of camp. He's going to be one of the seven that they deploy, I mean, like, uh, 
like regularly. Um, you have your top four, and then you've got Sandine, Dermot, and Lilligren, who are kind of in that bottom pair mix. Um, and I know Keith the other day in the media was kind of getting on Dermot about how he hasn't really taken the step forward that they had hoped over the years. Um, he obviously had a lot of hype coming into the league just from the Leafs fan base and looked like he had the makings of a top 4D but hasn't really earned the trust of any coaching staff he's played for in the NHL. Um, to answer your Lilligren question, um, I, it's crazy to think he was drafted, you know, 2017. Like it's been, it's been five years, but he seems to have finally kind of broke camp here. It looks like he's going to get a real shot. I know in practice today, he was skating on the third pair with Sandine with Dermot, the seventh guy. So that would kind of be your indicator that he's going to be in your opening night lineup. Um, the reason he's taken so long is because they've kind of completely flipped the narrative and flipped the player type um, with him since they've drafted him. He came in as this, you know, uh, highly touted OFD um you know, was supposed to obviously be a really high pick because of his, you know, offensive talents and whatever. And uh, they've kind of took that and, you know, flipped into more of a defensive player. Um, really, really worked on things like his gap control, his ability to, you know, win puck battles, his ability to stop the cycle, his ability to pick up uh, assignments in the D zone. And he's responded really well, like it's taken time, but um, what they've done with him has been really, really uh, like beneficial for his game. Like he's really rounded out his game. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to be a pretty solid sort of depth fill in piece for them in terms of how much better he gets. Uh, I don't know it, it for me, it comes down to the skating and what he can manage in the offensive zone. Kind of funny. Cause again, he was that offensive D coming out of Sweden, but now he's kind of that two way D and the question is, is he going to take that big step forward offensively? Um, but yeah, I, I guess he's just kind of a nice depth piece right now. He's finally kind of broken camp and we'll see where he gets. Yeah. And, and, you know, Louis, I think Louis and, and Glazer as well. I think Josh just made a good point about how the process that the Leafs have taken with Lilligren, kind of letting him marinate a little bit. Do you think that this is a similar strategy that the Sens might use with a guy like Jacob Bernard Docker, who obviously will play the year or at least most of the year uh, in the AHL this year? Do you think that they'll kind of let him sit, sit down there for, for a couple of years or do you think that they might try to rush him up a little bit sooner? Um, I can go first, Louis. Um, I think it's it is the opposite in the sense that, like Josh was saying, Lil Chicken was drafted for his offensive game more, whereas Jacob Bernard Docker is strictly a defensive defenseman as it stands. He's got transition ability, but there's almost no offense in his game at the NHL level. However, I don't think that that's a terrible thing when you consider their left side to be Shabbat, Sanderson, and Brandstrom. Like you're not going to rely on Jacob Bernard Docker to be an offensive type of guy. I don't know if he's actually going to make it, you know, a whole AHL year. The only problem is the Suns have like eight guys up that are kind of in a log jam. So it just comes down to whether or not they trade some guys at the deadline. Is Jake Sanderson going to be coming over? Because if he is, and that's another guy, it's just a, a tough fit for him while Zaitsev is still on contract, I think. I think that's the big guy in the way, him and Holden. Yeah. And honestly, right now, I'd rather have Holden up, right? Because he's he's been pretty good. And how much do we have? Oh yeah, Josh Brown does expire after this season. I mean, let's be honest though. He, I'm sure he'll be coming back. He's, DJ loves his. I guys. don't know. It doesn't seem like he might even make the opening night lineup. You know? Yeah. I mean, he he barely played last year, and that didn't really. Stop well, part of that was injuries. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. That didn't stop DJ from praising him though at the end. True. Yeah, but when you um brought up sort of the approach you're taking with Jacob Randocker, I thought you were going to br talk about Brandstrom. Me too. Because I, I think yeah. I talked about this last episode. Um, I think that what they have to do is decide which side they want him to play on. And I think that's what's really hindered his development. Is they really like want the left, sending honestly, him so. up, sending him, Yeah, sending him down, calling him up. And when he's in the AHL, he's taking reps on both sides, which is, right, like if they want him to play right side, they have to keep him on the right side. Because what I see when I'm watching that is, his big thing is when he's coming from behind the net and he's forced to make the breakout pass on his backhand uh, from the right side, he's struggling a lot more. So I think that's a big thing that's hindered his, his breakout ability. And it's a big thing, right? Like everyone talks about his defensive play. Um, he wouldn't be in the defensive zone as much if you kept him on a side and let him work from that side all the time. Yep. I, yeah. That's my daily, my uh, weekly Eric Brandstrom rant. There you go, and and I think that's so fair. So I have to talk about I, Chris Tierney now, then. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're done with that. No more Chris Tierney talk here, Jesus. But I think that is something to keep an eye on. It seems like he's found a nice little home with with Nick Holden at least for the beginning of the year. Um, mm -hmm. so hopefully that 
that progresses. Uh, Josh, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Before we let you go, we need your prediction for the game. Send Leafs on Thursday. What's the score going to be? Who's going to win? Go on the spot. Um, just to make your your son's fan base upset, four nothing Leafs. Holy four! No, you're not. We don't even score. We haven't even been shut out in like over a season. What is? We didn't get shut out last season, unlike the Leafs. Wow. Okay. What about Saturday? Game two for the Suns. Dude, I don't know. Single game predictions are tough. Who knows what's gonna happen? (laughs) But then we can look back on it, and then uh, and then we can say you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) It's just because Matthews wasn't playing. Yeah. Sure. There you go. I mean, you want to talk about missing players? Like, yeah, I think we got you beat there for now. Yeah, we, what do we got? Who's out? White, Watson, who are definitely more important. Than really, we're just gonna Matthews. skip over Brady. That's that's fine. Nah, we'll no, just, Brady, okay. no, we I said we weren't gonna mention him the rest of the episode. That's we've already broken that a couple times. Ah, uh, shut up! I don't care. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll be missing our starter Gustafson. So I mean, yeah, okay. On that <laughs> note, we will say thank you very much to our guest Josh Simpson for coming on. Uh, always a pleasure, and. I want to say good luck, but I really don't mean it at all to the Leafs. Um, but I, what I will say is hopefully we see you again. We will talk soon, and and uh, and hopefully a good season for yourself on the uh, on the career level. Yeah, sounds good, boys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say good luck to the Suns either, but uh, <laughs> good luck to you guys with your podcast. Won't and, uh... need it. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thanks again to Josh. Tune out for the Mike Amadio hat trick in a couple of days. All right, we got it. We got to stop this before it gets out of hand. <laughs> so we're gonna say goodbye. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks again to Josh for coming on. And uh, send season, man. It's starting. Get excited. We will see you guys after the first probably couple games. And uh, have a great rest of your day. And then thanks so much for listening. Take care, everyone. Bye.